Well, I, I hope uh, tonight will be wonderful. Uh, uh, this is uh, my preferred medium as a teacher is uh, is conversation and discussion. So I don't intend this to be a monologue. I hope it will be a dialogue. And obviously, the Holy Spirit uh, was giving me a lesson and you know giving me a book before I came up here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> remind me that um, a physician healed thyself. Um, my, my comments tonight are going to be uh, based off uh, a passage uh, from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. And I asked a couple of friends uh, to join me tonight. Uh, over to my right, this is uh, Cornell and Kim, who just got married three weeks ago. new to our community, um, and uh, I ask uh, their permission if I could sort of share with all of you some of the reflections and thoughts uh, from their wedding. And um, Cornell, uh, who's newly walking with the Lord, has said, Rankin, do you mind if you, uh, if our wedding charge was based on a theology of weakness, which no one had ever asked me that for wedding charge before. And uh, I think it moved the three of us so deeply uh, that morning. Uh, I came home and shared with my wife, and she said, well, you know, maybe you should share with these nice people at Burbank what Cornell and Kim uh, helped, you, helped you see. So. Our, our text that I'm going to base these comments off is uh, 2 Corinthians 12, uh, and I'm just going to start in uh, verse 7. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes, uh, So to keep me from being too elated by the surpassing greatness of, the, of these revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, Keep me from being too elated. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content. I am content with weaknesses with insults and hardships, persecutions and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. The, the phrase I want to give us tonight, and I'll try and flesh this out as concretely and practically as I can uh, for you and for your marriages, is uh, in, in, not out, up, not down. And I don't intend that to be just a moniker for a... a brief conversation tonight, maybe that will become a, a pattern and even a phrase in your home as it is in ours. Cornell and Kim say it's become in theirs. Uh, in, not out, up, not down. Um, I, just one comment about my wife being here. You know, Jesus says uh, wisdom is known by her children, uh, which is to say that uh, the test of wisdom is your is the fruit of your life, and so again, I'm glad you're here to overhear and uh, 
this is good because you're going to get a, I hope, a, a window into our marriage, our struggles, and things that we try and keep in front of us. Uh, so just a, a few thoughts uh, from this text. Um, I've learned that, uh, you know, the, Paul says, uh, boast in your weaknesses here. I've learned in my experience that's kind of the advanced course. Like, I, don't, I don't know personally if I'm uh, ready for that because uh, before you can boast in your weaknesses, you have to be able to name your weaknesses. Right? Before you can boast in them, you have to be able to name them. And to name your weaknesses, uh, you have to be in touch with your own heart. You have to be in touch with your own deep emotional pain. Uh, and in my experience, um, I think all of us, but men in particular, speak for myself since I have a microphone, uh, <laughs> I have a problem with that. It's hard for me to be in touch with my own pain, to be in touch with my own What's going on in my own heart? Um, I uh, a few months ago I started uh, uh, to see a counselor about this, and he said something to me uh, that I, when he told me, I said uh, that can't be right. I've never heard that. Um, he said, you know, in uh, Ephesians four, when uh, the Apostle Paul writes about uh, the hardness of the heart, the hardness of the heart that. Actually, the phrase there in Greek means uh, the inability to feel pain. That the mark of a fallen heart is the inability to be in touch with your own pain. And uh, sure enough, I looked it up and I, I was wondering, wow, do any other English translations really capture that? And the only one that does is actually Eugene Peterson's uh, message, who, who translates, uh, they can't think straight anymore feeling no pain. Feeling no pain. So that's that's a journey I've been on in my life is, is getting in touch with my own pain, getting in touch with my own emotions, uh, getting in touch with my own uh, sadness. And again, I may be the only guy in the room who has an issue with this, but uh, in my experience that takes a great deal of uh, difficulty, a great, great many tears uh, to be in touch with your own be in touch with your own emotions. So before you can boast in your weaknesses, you have to be able to name them. And to name them, you have to be in touch with your own heart. And I do think in the Bible there is a word for naming your weaknesses as a way of life. And naming your weaknesses as a way of life, the word for that is repentance. Um, the first word of Jesus' public ministry a word that I'm sure your pastor has uh, preached on many times. has probably uh, reminded you that was the first of Martin Luther's 95 Theses. When our Lord Jesus Christ said, repent, he intended it as a way of life. That repentance is not a one-time thing, but it's a life of continuing conversion. <clears throat> continuing conversion. So what I want to focus on in our brief time together this evening is two forms this repentance takes in your marriage. If repentance is going to be a way of life for us as followers of Jesus, what form is this going to take in our marriage? And that's where I'm going to go back to this phrase, in, not out, up, not down. And uh, we'll, we'll take those in order, in, not out. And I, I'm going to try, I'll, I'll try and be as concrete as I can as we go along. 
what I mean by in is our uh, our we have to recognize as Christians, as, as followers of Jesus, our deeply ingrained tendency uh, to self-righteousness. Our deeply ingrained uh, tendency uh, not to be self-aware. Our deeply ingrained tendency not to see. Uh, that's, after all, the definition of a blind spot. If you, if you can see it, it's, it's not a blind spot. And what this looks like in our... Um, um, marriage is when there's a conflict, as there is, because as, as Paul Tripp says in his book, uh, one sinner plus another sinner is a lot more sin. And um, so when there's conflict that you have trained yourself because you know how prideful and self-righteous you tend to be, you've trained yourself in the moment of that conflict to look in and not out. And of course, our flesh in the moment of conflict wants to do exactly, exactly the opposite. You know, we can see with 2020 uh, clarity, uh, as Jesus says, uh, the log, um, the, the speck uh, in, in the person's, in our spouse's eye in front of us, and, and not seeing the log in our own. Um, this isn't unique uh, to Christianity, is it? Um, there are a few people here from our community and. Uh, some people at Pacific Crossroads make fun of me for how often I quote uh, Jonathan Haidt, H-I-D-T. Uh, I think he's one of the most important people writing today. Haidt is a, he's an atheist, teaches at NYU, uh, has written a few books. Uh, what really sort of launched him into national prominence was his book, The Righteous Mind, Why Good People Disagree About Religion and Politics. Fascinating book. But Haidt, what captured me about Haidt is he opens that book by acknowledging, um, hey, we're never going to move forward in our conversations as a nation until we start by acknowledging that we're all self-righteous. Haidt's a social psychologist. Again, he's an atheist. And, but he opens his book by quoting two people, Buddha and Jesus, who both seem to agree on this point, that you'll never make any progress as a human being unless you start with a deep, deep sense of your own... Um, self-righteousness, and I think Christians, uh, we, we tend to be, uh, I don't know, we tend to have a problem with this, uh, with acknowledging uh, no one is more self-righteous than a religious person, because we're all self-righteous, but we think we have God on our side, which makes us especially pernicious and dangerous. Um, a couple of you... Um, know the name uh, Tony Romo. They say never use sports analogies, but uh, Tony Romo was in the Wall Street Journal last week because uh, Tony Romo is a sportscaster and he made the Wall Street Journal for his uh, uncanny ability to predict plays before they were going to happen. It was all over the, you know, uh, it, was, it was all over the news, but uh, in that article Tony Romo said something and showed some pretty profound uh, relational intelligence on this in, not out business. Here's what Romo says. He says, I just want to leave you with something I've learned, uh, referring to his quarterbacking years. He says, I feel like we all have two battles or two enemies going on. And one is with the man across from you. And the second is with the man inside of you. And I think once you control the one inside of you, the one across from you really doesn't matter. Wow. Wow. 
That's a pretty profound emotional intelligence from the Wall Street Journal there. But it's also great marital counseling, isn't it? That the, the real problem is not across from you. That the real problem is within you. Uh, Ed Welch uh, says in over 30 years of counseling that that's the single hardest lesson that he's learned and he's ever had to impart to all the thousands of couples that he's counseled. He says, in, in a word, it's that uh, you're angry because you're angry. And he says, and it's so hard because you feel so justified in your anger. You can see with such clarity what this other person has done. And um, he said, the mark of an emotionally mature person is you realize when that gets triggered in you, you start to realize, well, what is it in my heart that that's triggered? See, it's the same dynamic of when you get triggered in a conflict with your spouse, uh, you, that initial impulse to react that you remember in, not out. You remember, I tend to be self-righteous. I tend to be proud. I tend to not see myself very well. So every conflict with your spouse is an opportunity to go in, not out. Um, what am I not saying? Where do I need to die? Um, I'm almost certainly not seeing things well at this moment. I'm almost certainly not seeing things well. Because I know I'm inclined to justify myself. I'm inclined to see myself as eminently reasonable. I'm inclined to be incredibly gracious with myself and exacting with my spouse. And in, not out, uh, flips that on its head. It says, no, I need to be gracious with my spouse and exacting with myself. Uh, this is a, a Presbyterian church, so I think I can say, uh, I'll put it this way. What we need is a, a healthy dose of our own total depravity. You know, total depravity doesn't mean you're as bad as you could be. Total depravity means that, that everything you do is stained with sin and pride and, and, and self-righteousness. Uh, what, what was the line in the, uh, in the song we just sang about uh, two wonders I confess, the glories of God's love and my own unworthiness? Um, wow, if we were in touch with that, with the wording of that song, uh, that would make us incredibly compassionate and patient with our spouses. Uh, so look in, not out. And I referenced Jesus uh, a few minutes ago about his statement on, to this regard. First take the log out of your own eye. You know, what does he say right before that? He says, you hypocrite. Fascinating, is that he says any tendency to criticize, you start with saying you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then he says, and then you will see clearly. Then you will see clearly. So start with a profound sense of I'm 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 so much more prone to be guilty of anything that I could be accusing you of right now. Uh, that requires such a great deal of, of inner work. So uh, we'll open this point up for questions in a second. But what does this look like uh, practically in a marriage? Well, you're in a conflict, and I've said you resist that urge. Uh, that urge is to react out, and you remember, no, my heart is not hard. I don't want my heart to be hard. I want to feel my pain. So instead of going out, you go in. 
you remember your pride, you remember your self-righteousness. And a phrase that uh, we use in our home, uh, I got this from Francis de Sales, but others have said it, uh, seek first to understand, not to be understood. Seek first to understand, not to be understood. We were in the car on the way over here, and I turned to Morgan, and she's heard me say that line a hundred times, and I said, wow, how different would our marriage be if that was the mantra over every argument we got in? Seek first to understand, not to be understood. Uh, for us, what that looks like is that we try and validate the other person's feelings. And uh, forgive me if this sounds uh, condescending, but that's kind of new for me. Validate the other person's feelings. Listen, listen, listen. Uh, you can you can actually you can ask. Do you feel heard? Do you feel cared for? Do you feel valued? Zero defensiveness. Uh, how this? I'll, I'll just I'll give you some lessons from my own failures as a husband. Uh, three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, Morgan, we were up late, uh, and she was crying about something. And I, I tried to talk her out of her feelings. I tried to help her see why she shouldn't be crying. You know, I tried to, um, instead, of, instead of sitting with her, instead of listening with her, instead of seeking to understand, I wanted, I wanted to solve. And selfishly, the reason I wanted to solve is, uh, Morgan, I don't have time for you to be upset. I don't have time for this. Let's just solve this and get past this. You know. And in, not out. In, this is in my heart. And if it's in your heart, you're settled. Then you move, then you move out towards the other person. How can I listen? How can seek first to understand, not to be understood? Uh, don't talk your spouse out of her feelings. Uh, validate those feelings. Sit with them. Um, one of my mentors, man, uh, his late 60s, says ranking 95% of care is just listening to people. And, uh, wow. I have another friend in our church who's a counselor. He's a marriage counselor. And he said, ranking of spouses were better friends. I'd be out of a job. Most of, most of my counseling is because spouses just don't know how to listen to each other, how to talk to each other. So um, let me pause there for a moment. Uh, I, know, I know we haven't got to our text yet, other than me saying before you have to boast, before you can boast, you have to be able to name your weaknesses. Naming your weaknesses is a way of life is repentance. Repentance in your marriage, one of the dynamics it looks like is in. In, not out. When there's a conflict, that's an invitation to realize this is about this is triggering something in my heart. Um, instead of reacting and saying, No, you made me feel this way. This is a problem that you have. Now you look internally and say, Lord, what is this triggered in me? Um, well, any, uh, before I go on, any sort of uh, question, maybe I'm not being as clear as I hope to be or as helpful as I want to be, any questions?
questions about that or uh, clarifications or is this ringing true to anyone or is this help is this uh, questions accusations <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it rings true rings true yeah see first uh, understand Us so far, you know, it has rung very, very true. You know, and it's just—it's really helpful to uh, to see. You know, I keep telling Kim, I'm like, oh wow, marriage is a crucible. <laughs> I'm in the crucible now. <laughs> Three weeks in. <laughs> Three weeks in. <laughs> and I'm already seeing—I'm already seeing that propensity. We want to go out much more than I ever thought was actually. my Neanderthal more than I realized. Because we see so clearly, don't we, the faults of our spouse. <laughs> yeah. It's just so clear. <laughs> yeah. and, and you know what? They're there. Yeah. Yeah. They are there. But the, the problem is, uh, the man in the mirror, uh, they're so much deeper in our heart. And well, if we just start from that posture, uh, my frustrations and my impatience I feel with my spouse, that's actually a reflection devastating. See, that gets back to hardness of heart equals getting in touch with your own pain. See? That's Ephesians 4.18. Uh, well, let, let's go to this other half of the dynamic. Uh, we're almost there. We're almost home. Uh, not in, in, not out. Up, not down. Up, not down. And here's what I mean uh, by that. So you're in a conflict and you've blown it. Uh, for the a thousandth time, uh, you you have hurt the person that you love the most. Um, up, not down, means not down into shame, not down into self pity, which is just a form of wounded pride. Uh, but but up, what I mean by up, the Puritans. Uh, had a wonderful phrase for this. Uh, they talked about the difference between legal repentance and evangelical repentance. And what they meant by that was um, that the Pharisee, when he or she feels guilty, they move away from God in guilt. They move away from God because they intrinsically relate to God on a behavioral basis, which actually Martin Luther said that's the default mode of all of our hearts. So when you've blown it, you, you, by nature, want to withdraw from God. And the Puritan says that is the mark of the Pharisee. The Christian, when they've blown it, they move toward God. The child moves forward towards the Father when they're hurt, when they've blown it. Because they know that was never the basis on which God accepted or loved me in the first place. Uh, the Christian moves closer in and has or her disappointment. Uh, because you know I already, I already have someone in my life uh, who meets my deepest needs. And it's not my spouse. So I don't have to hold my uh, spouse hostage. And uh, I, I can release those expectations. And that is, after all, the number one cause of marital discord in this room. 
has unmet expectations. And let's talk about that for a moment. See, maybe those expectations uh, are valid. Maybe those, maybe those expectations are valid. Uh, but let me ask you a question. When you're pointing out the flaws in your spouse, either explicitly or implicitly, uh, implicitly is just, you know, resentment, bitterness, contempt. Uh, explicitly is when you point out the flaws to your spouse. I think we know what that is. Uh, well, here's, here's a question. Um, Morgan and I picked this phrase up from the couple who did our uh, pre-marriage counseling and stayed with us uh, these years. Uh, in conflict, are you, are you moving toward your spouse uh, in care? That's ministry. Are you moving towards your spouse to fix them? That's manipulation. And it was this phrase, ministry or manipulation? See, because a lot of, uh, a lot of harm is done under the guise of, but I'm doing this because I want you to be better. <laughs> I'm doing this because I want you to be different. I'm doing, I mean, right? Speak the truth in love, right? Uh, I'm doing this because uh, I'm going to help you see what obviously, you know, point one, obviously you don't see. Um, but there's a deep problem with that, uh, namely that you're not the Holy Spirit. Uh, your anger is rarely righteous. You say, I, I just want my spouse to be holy. No, you don't. No, you don't. You're, you want your spouse to be different so you'll be happier. That's not ministry, that's manipulation. And a whole lot of harm in Christian marriages goes under the guise of ministry. You're not ministering to your spouse, you're manipulating them. And it's the worst and most abusive kind of manipulation because you do it with spiritual language. <laughs> oh, which just causes just such, such harm. Uh, so what does up, not uh, down look like? It means... That uh, when your needs are not being met, uh, when, so first movement is in, not out. Next movement is up, not down. And what I mean by that is, Jesus, you meet my deepest needs, not the person in front of me. Um, my wife says uh, what this looks like for her is very tangibly, when she gets frustrated with me, one of the first things she does is she prays. That's up. Lord, help me. Because I'm married to this man. <laughs> Help me, remind me that uh, you meet my deepest needs and not this uh, center in front of me. Uh, you turn up in prayer. You turn up in reliance. You turn up, of course, Jesus' word for this is abiding in Christ. Uh, that means every marital disappointment is actually an opportunity to abide. Um, Lord, this person was never going to meet my deepest needs. I tried to abide in them, and they disappointed me again. And I'm upset with them again. But this disappointment is an opportunity for me to abide. Um, to abide in you. Um, which actually uh, frees you, doesn't it? If, you don't hold, if you're not holding your spouse hostage to meet your deepest needs, uh, it's a wonderful gift, isn't it, that you, that you give your spouse? Um, 
I'm not asking you to be for me what you never could be for me. Um, you're actually able to, to love each other. Um, Morgan, I think, do you have anything you want to add to that? That's a, that's a, I, I feel like that's a daily dynamic in our marriage. Uh, is up, not, not down. Is there anything you want to clarify or add to that? No. Sorry to put you on the spot there. I should, <laughs> should have asked you about that. Um, in, not out. Uh, up, not down. Uh, well, how, how do you know? Uh, we'll, we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk in just a moment about where the engine for that comes from, because this is not just. Of course, it's not just. It's not behavioralism. It's not a behavioral modification. But how do you know you're doing this? I, I gave you some questions earlier. Uh, do you feel heard? Do you feel cared for? I'll just tell you a couple of questions we ask in our marriage uh, pretty routinely, uh, almost weekly. Uh, I ask my wife, uh, do you feel like a priority to me? Uh, the wording there is pretty important. Uh, I think my wife believes that I want to make her a priority. But that's different from do you feel like a priority to me? Um, do you feel like a priority to me? Um, that's a good question. I used to be terrified to ask that question. Instead of asking that question weekly, I would ask it about uh, biannually. Because <laughs> I knew what the answer was. And, uh, you know, he who doesn't love his wife uh, hates himself, to paraphrase Paul. You know, you're, you're shooting your life in the foot. Your, your life, you're shooting your life in the foot if you don't prioritize your spouse. Um, do you feel like a priority to me? Uh, do you feel heard? Do you feel listened to? Do you feel cared for? Uh, do, you, do you feel like I understand your feelings? Uh, these are all questions. Uh, if that's if that's too uh, psychologically too fancy for you, um, a mentor couple of hours uh, says that they get together once a week, they're in their 70s, they have a marriage we deeply admire, and they get together once a week, and their time together around a lit candle is around this question, uh, how, are, how are we doing? You know, and they, they told me that, they said, we, we get together each week and ask each other how we're doing. I said, yeah, but what does that look like? He said, we get together once a week and we ask each other how we're doing. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but I, I, I had to ask you, I didn't understand. See, that's, that's how big of a fool I am. Because that was more than I was doing. You know, how, how are we doing? And uh, if you get nothing out of this seminar, I mean, obviously you care about your marriages or you wouldn't be here. Uh, but ask your spouse that tonight. How are we doing do you feel like a priority to me? Um, and you can ask your own heart. I mean, is this is this the dynamic that you see when there's conflict in your marriage? Is, do you see the dynamic of in, not out? I I don't react um, in anger or impatience. That conflict is instead an invitation to look within and to repent. 
So Jesus, what, what does Jesus want me to do? He wants me to repent. He wants me to first notice the log in my own eye. Start there. What's my problem here? What's to say about my heart? And then, because your natural heart is going to want to go, oh. you know, just sort of shrink down in shame. No, up. Up, not down. Up, Jesus. Uh, you knew all this about me uh, before I knew you. Um, this is what you died for. You love me. Uh, you've always known the truth about me. And you meet my deepest needs. So I've already anticipated where this uh, uh, time together uh, it was headed. What enables this movement? What enables this is a pattern of life uh, in, not out, up, not down. Uh, without, that you can make this movement every day uh, without fear, without shame, and you can even make this movement uh, with confidence and with joy. And, of course, the answer to that is uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love what Bonhoeffer says about uh, the cross. He says the cross is God's truth about us. I just love that. And of course, we just sang about that. But that's what uh, enables... Uh, Paul to say, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. I'm not only self-aware enough that I can name them, but I, I can now I can now boast in them. And you know that word boast means I'll lift up for others to see. Um, Jab Hacker says in this verse, uh, not only are you uh, uh, aware of being uh, foolish and inadequate. Uh, you don't mind being seen by others as foolish and inadequate. I like that. Like, it, it's one thing to say, hey, I'm, I'm okay, you know, feeling, well, how do you feel about others seeing you as foolish and inadequate? And Packer says, someone who understands this verse, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon uh, what Bonhoeffer was talking about when he says the cross is God's truth about us, that it, the gospel gives us permission to be human beings. Paul Turnier put it. Uh, it just gives us permission to be human Yeah, 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 I did that. I, I wish I were better than I was, but permission to be human, uh, permission to be a sinful, frail, broken, human being. Uh, and what gives us that permission is the other half of, the other truth about the cross is that uh, knowing that because of the cross that you and I live from a place of uh, deep security, uh, deep worth, that we are already completely loved even as we are completely known. Uh, and it's that dynamic, isn't it? Uh, I am completely known and I am completely loved. Wow, and that's the, that's the journey of a lifetime, isn't it? I mean, you, you've heard that phrase many times. Uh, I first heard that phrase about 10 years ago from one of my favorite preachers, a man by the name of Craig Barnes, who said uh, every human being has two desires, two deep desires. He said we all want to be known and we all want to be loved. And he said the tragedy of the human condition is that we think we can have 
we think if somebody really knows us, they never really love us. And we think that if somebody really loves us, they don't really know us. Whew. That hit me hard, hard, 10 years ago. And it hits me hard tonight. Uh, but that's what the cross continually says to us. You are deeply known. You are deeply loved. That's what gives us the courage um, and even the confidence to say, in, I can be honest, I'm fully known, in, not out, up, not down, because I'm completely loved, I'm completely cherished, I'm completely covered by Jesus who knows and loves me perfectly. And then and Paul keeps going, doesn't he? He builds from that. He says, for the sake of Christ then, I am content with weaknesses. And this is, this is so deep, isn't it? Like, I, I, I've given up trying to wish I were better than I was. You know, I, I am... Not only, not only... He doesn't say, I am resigned. He says, I am content with weaknesses. And then he goes, and with insults, yeah. With insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. I'm content with that. Because... Of Every single thing that drives me down is driving me deeper and deeper into the love of Jesus. Is driving me deeper and deeper into the sufficiency of Christ. And all that's contained in that uh, paradox that we'll spend the rest of our lives understanding for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. So you're content. You are content not to be understood. You've you've given that up. I'm no longer going to hold myself my, my spouse hostage for not understanding me. I don't understand me. Why am I resenting you for not understanding me? Uh, you were content not to be understood because who does understand you? Jesus. You're content not to be understood. You're content not to win this argument. Boy, you you've heard that line before. You never win an argument spouse. You never win that. You're content not to win. As I referenced earlier, you're content to be seen as inadequate. Not only to feel, but to be seen as. Wow, and this posture of uh, repentance and humility, you know, you just heard, I've only been married 11 years, so I I don't know a whole lot about marriage. I've only been married 11 years. Uh, but in, in my experience, if that is your posture as a, as a husband and wife towards each other, personal humility and a posture of repentance as a way of life, you can navigate anything. You can get through anything. Um, and I'll end where we started, uh, boasting, boasting in my weaknesses. Why, 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 why instead of trying to hide them, can we not only name them but boast of them? Because your weaknesses as a, as, a, as a wife or husband remind you of your daily need of the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. God gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble. Lord, that's what I need. I need your grace. I'm going I'm to boast in my weaknesses. I'm going to go to the low place because that's, that's where you are and that's where your grace is in the low place. Uh, King David 
uh, said, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Uh, what John Bunyan once called the acceptable sacrifice. A broken and contrite heart. And from, from my chair, a broken and a contrite heart in a marriage is a recipe for a whole and joyful life together. I'm going to say that again because it sure sounds nice to say. A broken and contrite heart in a marriage is a recipe for a whole and joyful life together. Ah, it's so painful, isn't it, that you can't control your spouse's heart? You're not the Holy Spirit. You can't change them. You can't change them. That's manipulation. You can't change them. A broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. And that... A broken heart, a contrite heart, is a recipe for a whole marriage and a joyful life together. No longer holding each other hostage. No longer uh, entrapped in these cycles of resentment leading to contempt. Because your 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 motion as a, on a daily basis is in. Lord, it's my heart. It's my heart. In. moments together. Uh, I don't pretend to be able to model this any better than any of you, and I'm sure all of you in this room in your own ways model these words before you heard them from me tonight. Any uh, questions or reflections or, or something I said that didn't hit your ear right, that you think, I, I, didn't, I, don't, I don't like that, I don't agree with that, or it doesn't sound right. Yeah. <laughs> 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 